Playing with Velvet Tom. And now, your host, with really bad timing, Velvet Tom. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good whenever you're listening to this. It's Bad Timing with Velvet Tom. I am your host, lover, loser, legend, Velvet Tom. Welcome to episode 15. My guest today is Jazz Persing. Now, Jazz has been mentioned in the previous two episodes with Pat and Matt. She is a singer over at Singer's Row over at the Dresden. We've mentioned it before. Her and I have had... Uh, a few showcases where we have co-showcased on a Wednesday night over there. And we talk about that and more. A great conversation that goes on forever. Like the next thing I know, I look up, it's an hour and 15 in, and it just was effortless. It's one of those conversations that you're doing that one COVID thing that you were going to learn how to do during COVID-19 That is this episode to listen to. So whatever you're doing around the house, even if you're cleaning up the domicile or if you're washing dishes or even if you're making jewelry, this is one of those podcasts that you want to listen to because we talk about being creators, being creative, and how we've maintained creativity through this strange time of COVID. Hey, new fans, Regular fans, my Velveteers, time to go over to velvettom.com. I'll wait. Just open up a new browser tab right now. Type it in, velvettom, two T's in the middle, dot com. The official website of me, Velvet Tom, where you can find everything. Now, some things have changed over there. Now we have a podcast page, so everything just isn't on the home page. You actually have to click to a page where you can see a little blurb about how and why I started this whole podcast. And then you can also listen to the most recent episode, like this one you're listening to now. And you can see all the different platforms that are now featuring Bad Timing with Velvet Tom. That includes Stitcher, includes iTunes, and now we're featured on Spotify. So that's a pretty good ad, wouldn't you say? All the kids are listening to Spotify, so maybe I can get some millennial clicks, huh? Speaking of clicking with millennials, this conversation that I had with Jazz Persing was so wonderful and so great. Also on the podcast page is a way to donate to the show because like all podcasts in their infancy, they are listener supported. So those of you who are listening, we would love the support. Not asking for the moon, small donations, but repetitive small donations can really, really, really add up. So we hope that you can contribute to the show so we can keep this velvet train of moving because we have so many more exciting guests coming down the pike. You don't want to miss it. So keep listening and keep supporting. Uh, Also, you can find my social media over there. You can go to my Facebook, Instagram, my Twitter. You can go to my YouTube channel. Become a subscriber because we're going to be adding more content to YouTube as time goes on. And there is nothing more than I would love but your eyeballs all over my junk. So visit all of my different platforms. You can get there by going to the website. What is it again, fans? VelvetTom.com. Thank you very much for that exciting endorsement. I hope that you are muddling through somehow, like the Christmas song says. Please keep muddling through. It's a tough time. I see light at the end of the tunnel, and I'm a cynic. I'm not a very uh, incredibly hopeful person. Try and see things pragmatically. 
try not to put too much magical thinking into what's going on right now. But even I do see a little light at the end of this long, long, very dank and dark COVID tunnel. So, hey, hang in there, folks. Try and have the best holiday that you can. And the only way you can do that is to stay the hell away from one another. Don't give each other this stuff. You know, probably the reason that I still have friends is that I stay away from them and let them live their lives. And I'm grateful that they don't have this either. So, and I don't think it's a hoax because they don't have it. It's because I know that they're taking care of themselves. That's where my mindset goes. You don't have it. You might be following the rules or you might just be super lucky. I think we're all lucky to be listening to this episode today. So have yourself a merry little Christmas now and listen to this wonderful conversation I have with my good buddy, Jazz Persing. Hi, Jeff. It's been such a long time. Uh, you, you and I really are talking. Has. This is like the, okay, so you're doing a Zoom collaboration. Now, I know a couple of people who have done this mm. where they recorded their part, sent it in, somebody else puts together on Pro Tools. Is this the same experience you're having? Um, so this is not, perhaps not that involved. This is just an app like called Acapella. So like whatever I'm using to like mess with my voice is whatever it's just whatever the app has. Um, but yeah, but it's fun and it's helpful just for the delay. Cause like the app is built to like deal with that. So you can kind of like, I, but I did find that you have to use, uh, if you use plug in headphones cause the Bluetooth will have a delay. <laughs> so these are the things that we figure out in these crazy uh -oh. times. Okay. Because I think I've seen it more. I think I have a friend of mine who used to use it quite a bit, where she used to acapella herself quite a bit and do all the parts. Mm. And she'd always have she'd always have the earbuds in. I'm like, that's probably the only thing that's really sort of taking me out of the experience is that yeah, and the earbuds. But now I know why because it won't work without them. Well, that's really yeah, and uh, also I was like, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll like I'll hide them in my hair. So I'll put them behind my head and I'm sitting by this fire, as you can see, but no one on the podcast can. Um, but uh, so I was like, oh, I've figured it out. But then I listened to the audio and it's just my hair rustling because the mic is back there oh. <laughs> and like the fire crackling. So it was a bit of a singing in the rain experience. Yeah, like like, ASMR experience out of it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, what ski lodge are you in right now? Because you do. It, <laughs> yes, it, it, I have. Air yeah, I've I've constructed because of this video. I've constructed a must a much more rustic version of my daily life, but. Um, but it is pretty rustic here at the cottage. So this is my house. Um, I'm coming to you from Monrovia, California. Monrovia. Um, yes. Um, which is where all your Trader Joe's products come from. Um, all right. Good to know. That's, yeah. A good reference point for people who don't know what it is. Um, but yeah, but I love it out here. Um, I'm really lucky both with the house and our backyard space and the people that I live with. Um, 
yeah, it's as difficult as this pandemic and then now new lockdown uh, has been. I got really, really lucky with the people I live with. That's good. So you do, do you have roommates or are you staying with family right mm-hmm. now? Uh, no, I have three roommates. Um, one is, uh, has been like with family for about a month. Um, so it's a little quieter around here, but I have three roommates um, who are lovely. Um, and uh, normally we have two cats, but one of them ran away. So it's just my cat, Rhoda, um, with mm-hmm. us right now, which yeah. is so sad because I was singing that um, that Graham Nash or uh, Crosby, Souls and Nash. I was singing like Our House, like all the time in lockdown. And it has that part that's like in Two Cats in the Yard. And then now I've stopped playing that song because I don't want to make my roommate sad about her cat. <laughs> Because I don't want to be like, and one cat in the yard. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, can't amend, can't amend. No, this. no, it, it doesn't play well. Uh, well, you got a very beautiful setting, so it looks like you're sliding into the holiday spirit. We put up a tree. We've over Yeah. It. Like we've, we went and bought old decorations, like vintage decorations. To, oh, I love that stuff. So it's all covered. And then we have four like creepy Santa and they're like the glass the vintage glass um nice we have those coming we're very excited to (laughs) uh, fill it all out um my wife Daphne it's so exciting it still is like it still makes me happy yeah it's Uh, oh my gosh it has yeah I know uh let's see today is the 11th seven days a year ago I will have proposed so the proposal the proposal oh engagement dates coming up and then we do basically crash course 12 days or like 15 <laughs> days until until uh, new year's eve but that's all happening i have to wow. shout out to her skills she made us stockings like we went to joanne Aww. picked out the fabric and everything and we made like rock and roll themed stockings she's amazing big, she's a big bowie fan so she took Same. the lightning bolt I uh, did it in some distressed leather with some velvet and satin backing. And okay, I have to see this. <laughs> she took my initials. I, I think, you know what? Hold on. I'm going to go. Grab yeah, yeah. It. I like, know. This is torturous to not see this masterpiece. There. Hold for stocking. All right. <laughs> All right. So, well, the good thing oh is my gosh. we're already weighted down with goodies that we put in each other's stuff. Oh, nice. So, oh so, my gosh. She's done. So she took, she took my last name. So she took my initials. Right. And she did the, the classic Bowie. Uh, right. Bolt because she's a huge fan. And nice. And what she did for me is that she, uh, she took the Van Halen symbol and turned it into VT and created which is uh, definitely a trademark violation but as long as it stays (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like we're getting loosey-goosey on that in the quarantine as we all (laughs) lose our minds (laughs) well you know what uh yes uh as I've as I've said is uh all artists theft these days and most of it most of it is a uh you know, just an awful derivative of the original. So, but I think she, but I mean, I, I think it's awesome. Like, I mean, that, will, yeah. it's like a tattoo, but I, 
I that's think- like you guys have one of my favorite love stories i have to say and this is just cementing that in my heart and it makes me happy since i haven't seen you in the real life and or even on zoom in a while too yeah we had the little get togethers at first and those and those sort of petered out but we should do that again a uh, yes but uh, b it's like what the hell were you doing like March 12th was when Mm -hmm. we got, you know, I mean, it's almost a nine month anniversary from the first sort of lockdown shelter in place. That's right. What were you doing at that point? When we locked down? Yeah, when we didn't get to see each other ever again. Um, So the, I remember that day very clearly because it was also the day that I totaled the Mach 5, um, which you may remember my, uh, my little speed racer car. Um, it was my first car uh-huh. and it was just a stupid thing. Like I was distracted. I think from like, I had kind of an intense therapy session. And so I was like a little bit distracted and then I didn't slow down fast enough on the freeway coming, uh, going east on the 210. And I rear-ended this guy and like his car was totally fine, but because mine was so old, um, he, it just like, it was a goner uh, once it was finally evaluated. But it, I will say that the actual experience of rear-ending him was very pleasant because he was just like the most understanding person in the whole world. And oh. he was just like, yeah. And like, you know, I didn't know that we were going to lock down like that day, but it was already like tensions were high because we were talking about the virus already. And we were kind of wondering like what was going to happen. And, and I remember he was so, he was so kind and he was like, I totally saw what happened. Like I saw that you were trying to slow down and you were trying to break and it wasn't going to be enough. Like my car's totally fine. And then he worked for a dispensary. So like, he was like, listen, like, you know, you've been really great with all your information and all this stuff. Like, I'm going to give you like, here's like, uh, these are two Indica pre-rolls, like one just to like, thank you for not driving away and like not being a jerk. And the other one to like calm down tonight. Cause like, I know today's been intense. And so I was like, this is the greatest yeah. <laughs> like rear ending experience. I got free weed. Um, and I had to, <laughs> and I had to give up my car, but, um, uh, yeah, so it was, it was an emotional day. And then I think I was supposed to go, I remember I was talking to my new roommate who had just moved in right before what I didn't know was going to be the lockdown. And we just like, we're like very fast friends. So I remember I was having like a six hour conversation with her that night. And then I look and I was supposed to go to Steph's show because Steph was playing at the Dresden. Oh, Steph yeah. Sloan, our other wonderful friend. And so I was like, oh, I should go. But I'm like kind of tired and I'm in this good conversation. And then Matt texts me and is like, hey, like, I don't think I'm going to go like because I'm worried about getting Elaine sick and like like this COVID stuff is starting to like scare me. And I remember being like, Ugh, like, why do you have to be like such a drag? Like, like, it's just like, like, why can't we just like, and I kind of knew he was right, but I was just like, ugh, like, fine. And then, uh, and then I like looked at my phone two minutes later and it was like, Tom Hanks has COVID and then like the NBA has COVID. And it was like, okay, yeah. And then the next day we were in lockdown pretty much. Um, so yeah, it was very, but it was bizarre. Cause like, I think the day before 
I crashed my car. You know, we were there on Tuesday. It was like a normal Tuesday night at the Dresden. And I think we had just been to like Whole Foods for like Bonnie's birthday. It was just like, it's amazing how quickly a switch it was. It was like, here's like, okay, like here are all these normal things in your life. And then within a week, your entire perspective on this whole virus will change. Uh, we had our show across the street uh, Thursday. Well, we didn't have our show. So like I co-host a variety show. That was right. Was that the robot, the robot one, robot party? Yeah. Yeah. And we, we had a couple of people drop off our, our rotation because they were mm -hmm. about that. And then once the NBA canceled, that's what we did. We were just, yeah. we just took a cue. We just took a cue from the NBA. It's like a big basketball <laughs> little black box show probably doesn't need to go on. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was the end. The only weird thing was I remember because I was starting to move stuff over and we we're starting to make room in my wife's apartment for some of my things uh, in my place. And and we were kicking up so much dust. And that is just the one thing that- Oh, yeah. Going asthmatic. I went everywhere to look for masks and I couldn't find masks anywhere. Oh, and yeah. This is really back before it, it was making news, but somebody knew enough to wear yeah. masks everywhere. Grocery store, the Rite Aid, I went to Home Depot. You know, I couldn't find a mask to save my life in February. And here we were yeah. for, for like a month. I know it, it was strange because, well, yeah. And then it's weird to think about like the shortages back then and just, just the panic. Um, I heard, um, I listened to this podcast, uh, Call Your Girlfriend, and they describe um, that there are like different seasons of like quarantine, like in season one of quarantine, that's all like uh, the panic and like you're out of toilet paper, and, like all of this stuff and like Tiger King. And then season two is like George Floyd and like all of this <laughs> stuff. Um, so I think in a way, like even once people started like describing it, well, I don't know, there is that shift too, where like, I think we all were initially you know, there's the like, okay, I guess this is going to be a couple months. So like, we'll just kind of like, think about it that way versus like, all right, so this is going to be the rest of the year and maybe indefinitely a certain period of next year. So I think even once people started talking about it in seasons, like, like, it's crazy to me that you're about to have your anniversary. Like, and I had the same thing where, because uh, it's been, yeah, it's been like nine months of this. And that's almost a year. So I was like, I was saying something to my roommates because also a thing we did kind of earlier in quarantine is we had a lot of, we called them like camp activities where like things to just like keep us happy in the house. So we'd be like, let's do like indoor dance party or like, let's do like kid night where we'll build like a blanket fort in the living room and like eat kid food and watch like, um, I think we watched the Tom Hanks, Mr. Rogers movie, um, which is really good. Um, but so we did that and then now we have a different roommate that's moved in and we were like oh yeah you weren't here for kid night i was like we could do that again and i wanted to say like oh and it would be a whole new season that we're doing it and i'm like 
no, it would almost be the same time of year because it's almost been a year since we yeah. did that. I know. <sighs> it's that that's a really good way of looking at it. Like looking at it as seasons or mm -hmm. in this in this code. Yeah. And yeah. the worst, I don't know. I mean, we're adaptable creatures anyway. So the way mm -hmm. that we're all adapted to this is mind-boggling because stay at home folks right that, <laughs> it's it is absolutely mind-boggling to me really that that the one thing that could have united us yeah and ended up being a a controversial issue yeah and it's just i was just saying this to a friend of mine like it it's hard because it makes you you know like even a few a few weeks into like Biden talking about like what he wants to do differently about COVID, like it makes me like it. Get, it does give me some hope for next year and like how next year could look different. But it it is hard to not go the other route of like, oh my God, what could this year have been like if we just had like like someone who was giving like consistent and like cogent messaging who actually cared about human life, like. At, like and believed in science like at the head of this country and we still would have had a lot of problems and this would have been something like unprecedented for us to deal with for sure but like yeah it's just hard and then because then the other piece of it too is that it's like okay if you're if you're like safe and like lucky enough to stay home then you should but like because obviously there's a lot of people who are having a very different experience of this virus like who don't have who are unhoused, like, and who, like, are having a lot more financial trouble in the middle of all this, so, yeah, so it's hard, because, yeah, it's, like, I think if, if the people who, who had more choices, like, um, which is most of us, I, or a lot of us, like, had, had chosen to protect people, then we could have spared a lot of lives who, like, don't have any choices in how to respond to this crisis, or who are, like, you know, choosing between unthinkable things. Moment of silence for that. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, yeah, this is uh, obviously uh, just to cause more disenfranchisement. Yeah. Of, of folks. And, and to think that the people who have obviously less than I do still manage to get out and vote in all. Right. I will say that was that that really was like that moved me to tears like just to to see the like what yeah what people put up with um to vote this year was unbelievable just just it was like I, at the one hand like it made me so angry about our system that like that they're having to go through this but then also like and that's been so many things this year. Is it's like, I'm so angry that the system is the way that it is. And also people are incredible. <laughs> and I am so in awe of what they're able to overcome and the ways that we're able to be kind and show up for each other. Like, you know, it's both. It's like <laughs> there's been this profound disappointment in each other and this incredible hope. Uh, for anybody who wants to listen, and I do not want to give this administration any credit whatsoever, but this last four years, if anything, has been a civics, civic lesson in the last yeah. years. I mean, you, 
if you've been paying attention, you know how stuff works now. And right. Yeah. <laughs> and you know and you know what it takes. And that is I guess that's the one eye-opening thing about this, the one positive thing out of a 24-hour news cycle that I think has rotted our brains more than it's really helped is that they've been forced to have to teach a civics lesson, at least most of the programming. But out of that, out of that has just rose conspiracy news, has just rose national, political national inquirer all the time just just to balance it out. I've learned a lot that I didn't think that I learned in civics. And then I also right. recall back to my my best civics teacher that I ever had in high school, Miss Kavanaugh, mm. who, who was like, oh, yeah, she she taught me a lot. A lot has come up. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's like the, I've probably mentioned this before in conversation, but like, um, you know, there's the actual meaning of the word apocalypse is like uncovering, like it's not actually like the end of the world. And I feel like this administration and then especially this year has been that, that it's been like, hey, this this person is like, they're terrible, but they're not like just this magic evil person who came in and made everything terrible. It's like, no, this person is like exposing all of this shit that has been left to fester for a long time and like, and he's absolutely culpable, but like, it's so much bigger than just him. And so, yeah. So my hope is that as we move forward, like, well, I don't know, like even like there's some, everything that's happened this year that um, like everything that's been broken this year is all about like this lie that like, that we are not connected to the earth and that we're not connected to each other because look at like, okay, what's happening with the planet with like climate change and like these wildfires are just like the season is worse, like every year. Um, plus everything we can't like visually see all the time, but like, but is happening. Like that's because we don't have this like relationship with nature around us. Then, you know, we look at this virus, which is like, oh, okay, like I can just be an individual and I don't have to like account to anyone. It's like, no because like this thing is reminding us that it's like we like we're like for better and for worse really connected to each other and the same with with racism and like all of that it's like yeah if this so I guess like the the best thing that could come out of this is to to recognize you know like all these narratives that like toxic individualism Um, brings up in America that it's like oh like you know just like pull yourself up by your bootstraps and all this like crap that it's like this experience should teach everyone like how much is actually out of your control because all that's like really happening right now is we're seeing everyone's safety nets like because it's like okay so all of like I think everybody is or most people are experiencing some kind of job insecurity right now or it's there's at least strain and then that's like way more intense for some people um or it's like super lopsided and some people are profiting off of this time um but yeah but then I think that so any like I I actually like a few years ago I used to do um back when I was still going to my old church um I was doing this like skid row ministry thing for like five years, which 
it was a complicated experience, but the, I really, it really did teach me a lot about like, like really getting to know people down there um, and just build relationships. Like it just makes you realize like, there's no like, oh, these, this person like did this wrong thing. And then like, and now this is why this has happened to them. It's like this, like a lot of this shit could really happen to almost any of us. Like if, if like the right things happened at the right time, like, and that, and like, I think COVID has been that for, for some people where it's like, oh, I never thought this could happen to me. And then I realized like, oh, I don't have a job, which is where my health insurance came from. <laughs> like, but a lot of people, I don't, a lot of people uh, wait to have that awful experience before, before it really sets in, you know, COVID yeah. is folks until grandma gets it. Right. It's not anymore. And it's, yeah. Yeah. And we don't want to live that way anymore. We don't want to like, be like, oh, I like, I only, yeah, like you, you don't, like, you don't want it to get to a George Floyd type of inflection point to like be aware of systemic racism. Like it, it was there before, <laughs> like, it's just like everyone had time to see what was happening, like, and they couldn't look away. Like, um, but yeah, but I don't know. It's like, it is, it's a weird mix of like, it's been a really tough year, but there is, I don't know, like, and, and I know that I'm speaking from a, a place of, of privilege with this too. Like, and I, I'm really grateful to have safety nets and to have my needs met um, and to have good people in my life, like um, to connect to in these times. But I know a lot of people that like, this time has been so personally transformative for them. And like, I think the combination of us not being able to ignore what's really going on in our country. And then I think for a lot of us, like not being able to ignore our, our own like numbing things anymore. Like it's like, well, I kind of can't define myself by my job anymore because I don't have it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know. I think like even I was talking to my friend, like I was thinking about how I'm usually doing at this time of the year. And while on the one hand, there's some things that are really devastating and like, there's so much grief around and like, I was really sad because my sibling was supposed to come out um, to spend uh, Christmas out here. And I just found out a few days ago that they won't be able to, um, which is really hard. And it's definitely like the first holidays we haven't had together. Um, but like, other than that, I like I'm noticing I'm I actually have a lot less like seasonal depression than I normally do this time of year because I think everyone is so much more on the same level of like we're we're all like facing what's difficult about this time instead of that thing that can happen around Christmas time where everyone's just like you're either in a snow globe of joy or you're miserable and you feel terrible that like you didn't get invited to the snow globe and you feel like you can't share how difficult things are for you, but everybody's having a hard time right now. So I know that sounds kind of selfish, but it's like, I don't mean like to be like profiting, but I do think that there's like, I don't know, there's just a benefit to, to facing your shadows and, um, and doing that together and like, you know, it's not as bad when you let yourself feel those things instead of just feeling crazy for feeling anything. 
uh, I think it's an interesting point. You know, everybody's more in the same boat. This can be, mm. this can be, and this has been a great equalizer, whether people want to yeah. fight it or not, you know. I mean, yeah. Those who are privileged who refuse just to follow a simple rule of wearing a mask, not even talking about that, you know, I mean, this, their moment is now, you know, to, to look around and see what place they're in. So I think that that's yeah. important. I mean, we're, it's been a drag. Like we haven't even had, we haven't even had like a wedding party for us. Yeah. We can't go home and see, see the, see the relatives this holiday season yeah. to do that. And there's a part of us that is okay with that because mm -hmm. we got we got two cats, we got Fat Mama, and <laughs> we got Farley, and yes. we, and we have and we have each other, and you know, I mean, there are some things that we have that we are extremely grateful for. So to to get over the things that are ultimately uh, beyond our control, like being centrifugally glued to this big ball of mud, is completely beyond yeah. control. Uh, <laughs> This is just one of those things and uh, opportunity to take stock if you can. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I know so many people who have like also, <laughs> I, I feel, and I think it, it probably is also affected by the waves and seasons of this pandemic too, but, um, or this quarantine rather, but like, I know so many people who have finally left jobs that like they were miserable in or like finally walked away from relationships that they needed to walk away from or like saved their marriage in ways that they needed to like um and like I think I was like I think we might be entering the phase where now people are just like potting up out of desperation so I think it might be going the other way now where like people are freaking out but but for the most part it's like I think there's sort of that like Hey, if uh, if you knew that you had like six months left to live, like how would you live your life? Like I, I think some people are starting to have that kind of energy in a good way um, in that taking stock. Uh, yeah, I, I at least I know it for my immediate friends. I mean, yeah, totally. My friends and family, my 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 bubble, my circle. None of them have gotten COVID, so they must, yeah. I, I'm just assuming that we're all just feeling the same way about this. Um, yeah. How have you, how have you remained creative during this time? That's so funny. I was just going to ask you that. <laughs> um, <laughs> you first. But, uh, you know, it's been, it's been a really big creative time. Um, but I think some of that has come from like <laughs> the interesting thing was at the beginning of, um, before the pandemic, um, and actually, uh, Thaphne is totally someone that I think of, uh, in like early stages of like working on my book. And she was like, even in some of those side conversations we had, uh, at the Dresden, she was so helpful, um, and encouraging me, but like, I basically before the pandemic, I was like, okay, I think like, I, I know that I'm supposed to write this novel, which is like my first novel. And it's based on all my, like a lot of my life experiences. So I think I'm not supposed to be in a relationship right now. I'm not really supposed to be dating and I'm supposed to be working on this book. And then this pandemic happened and I'm like, 
well, fine, I've committed to that choice, I guess, because <laughs> I can't really date anyone, and like, and I guess I'm going to write this book. Um, but I found, like, and I thought there was so much good messaging about this, about, like, how important it is to not, like, we can't all just, like, pretend that we're just working from home, and there isn't this massive trauma going on, so... I think in the beginning of the pandemic, I was very like, don't worry about having to produce like anything, like it's okay, give yourself time, just kind of get through the days and like see what feels good. Like if you want to read today, I played a lot of guitar. Guitar was like really, I was lucky that I could play it enough to accompany myself singing. Um, Cause I think that that's a good thing for me to do because up until recently, I hadn't been writing my own songs. So that was just like, a, I need to like emote and kind of like connect to music, but I don't have to like be the architect of anything. Like it's just an embodied exercise. Um, so that was most of like the beginning of pandemic. And then I had a writing workshop um, that I had to submit some pages for, uh, for this book in like late April. And that I got the notes that I got from that workshop just really energized me. And by that point, I had kind of come into some routines that were helpful because it was like a couple of months in. So then I had a really good writing streak for a while. Um, and then, then I just kind of, I was going through some personal stuff and plus the pandemic. <laughs> um, and I think that that hit me again, like a little bit more in the summer and then I like took a really big break from the book, but it still felt, I think I just, I ended up being creative um, in different ways. Like, like uh, Ocean Vuong, one of my favorite writers, um, he wrote uh, On Earth Were Briefly Gorgeous, which is a book I loved so much that it made me want to write my book. Um, he has this thing where he says that writer's block is actually a myth of capitalism. Um, and it doesn't exist because it comes from the idea that you should just be creating in a straight line without stopping. Mm -hmm. um, and that like, you're just a productivity machine. But he says, he's like, but that's not real because like when you have that experience of like, you, you feel this blockage or you can't create something, all that means is that like, you need to approach it in a different way. And there's something that you need to like encounter. So it actually means I think that you're doing something right. Cause it means like, okay, like I got through the part where it's easy and then hmm, like there's like a new knot I kind of need to untangle. So I did just kind of, I felt bad about it like occasionally, but mostly I just tried to give myself a lot of space and I ended up doing, um, I actually did the artist way for a while. Um, I think I did what most people in LA do is that they start the artist way and then stop at a certain point. Um, but yeah, but it was still like, I think that kind of approach to creativity where it was just like, this isn't so much about producing something. It's just about connecting with your inner child and like more play. Like I think quarantine has actually been good for accessing like that kind of like creative side of me that it's like, this isn't so much about product. It's just about like, what are all of the things that feed me creatively, like being outside and like being well rested and um, like working on something for a little while and then doing something with my hands for a few hours, like, um, and then realizing that ideas come like when I'm working that way, like going on a walk or 
reorganizing like so I've just like I think sort of like hacked my own <laughs> creative life a lot and then yeah and then I went on this trip um because I just took this like cross-country train trip um to see my sibling um in November and that trip was kind of just like I I thought I was like I'm gonna do all this writing while I'm on the train and I and I do that every time when I travel where I'm like yeah you're gonna have all this downtime you're gonna you're gonna write but it's like Hemingway said like he could never write about Paris when he was in Paris like he could only write about Paris after Paris when he was back home like I was like I can't write out here because I'm experiencing new things like I'm like I'm in all these I'm even when I'm only seeing them out the window, it's like I'm going across the country. Like I'm supposed to be open to that, not like shutting the world out so that I can write. So I scribbled in my journal like a little bit here and there, but I didn't write much. And then, yeah, and then I came back and I just felt like so happy to be home. And I started do I just started doing morning pages every morning. Um, I found that the trick is to leave my phone inside while I do them first thing in the morning. Um, it's like amazing how big a difference that makes. Um, yeah. And so I'm in a couple of weeks of doing them and I've started approaching the book again. And I just, I think that was the time I needed away from it. Like, cause it, it's feeling like the pieces are moving again and I'm feeling to freer to fictionalize things. Um, but it's just like, honestly, like, um, my friend, my friend Ricky, um, who, you know, he like, we had a conversation when I was traveling back and he said like, you know what, I think like this has been the most productive year of my life. And I don't mean that in like a capitalist way where like I have any product to offer anyone, but I know that that's true. And I was like, I'm so glad to hear you say that because like, I, as your friend, like I fully agree with that and I know exactly what you're talking about. And I like to the point where I forgot that you hadn't like done any work or like created anything this year, but I know exactly what you mean, but it's harder for me to like apply that to myself. But yeah, but it's sort of, I think that doing all of this personal work and then coming back to something creatively and seeing the benefit of that has been really healing for me because I think there are some narratives around like creative work that can just be like, well, you just got to like knuckle down and do it. And I think there's some truth to that. Like, cause like, I think it's important to recognize resistance when it comes up, but like, but I also feel like, well, there's a reason that you're, you keep like bumping up against this stuff. And it's just been a lot easier to work when I'm not miserable. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know. Like. <laughs> when referring to resistance, were you, uh, were you referring to Pressfield's War of Art? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's but, so yeah. funny. Um, I, yeah. I, it's so funny. I've been having more conversations about that book recently because I read it last year and then I read Artist's Way this year for the first time. Yeah. Um, which is funny because I feel like um, the war of art, like I, I would say that recognizing resistance was probably like the most effective thing when, from that book for me. When he gave whatever that was a name, when he yes. named it, it got meat, it got bones, and then you can really understand it. It was, it was, 
it was a turning point for me. Yeah. I mean, totally it's a paperback book, you know, I mean, it's all yeah. long, <laughs> if that, and it's, yeah, it's very brilliantly put. Yeah. My friend, uh, Kate gave it to me and was like, this is an ass kicker. I think you'll like it. Um, <laughs> and I was like, okay. And it was funny because I do have like, um, so like my my caveats with war of art like well one thing is like it's funny to read it because like it's so intensely male like in all of the like <laughs> yes all, all of the metaphors are like you're a soldier going to war and like you have to get up and shit yeah you know yeah exactly like <laughs> it, it's and it's not necessarily bad but it's just like wow okay like um but and then it's funny because I think the artist's way like could not be more like feminine and just like nurture your inner child and like I think I mean that more in like like yin energy and yang energy like masculine feminine but like um but it was funny so but I was like okay that's like that's just good to know but uh yeah it was funny so there was that and then the only other thing that I like disagree with him about is that like one of the things that he names as resistance is healing is that he's just like oh this is just this trap that you can get into because you'll never be fully healed so like don't worry about healing just work <laughs> and I was just like um like I can tell from many other parts of this book that you probably would have benefited from some therapy <laughs> like but um but I know like I know what he means that it's like you can get like, it's honestly, like, why I stopped going to talk therapy, because I found that it's like, oh, I can just create a problem that I have to solve every week, um, and then I'm just living a TV show instead of writing one, like, yeah. Um, but, yeah, but I think that, like, the, like, what I'm describing and feeling is, like, sort of the counterpoint that I have to that, that it's like, yeah, but, like, I don't think it's as sustainable to just, like, work over or like push through like and like push down all of the like things that your creative like life is trying to tell you um but but I did it was I think one of the biggest like resistance things I had was like sort of like creating drama in your own life like instead of and like um engaging in relationships with people that are very like interesting and dramatic instead of like just writing the drama <laughs> um but yeah no so I, I I love all of that and I'm also just discovering that I'm a like um my the reason I don't really read a lot of self-help books is because there's typically not a lot of nuance in them um which is kind of like there isn't supposed to be for the genre yeah but like, but I, I'll be like, but what about this time? Like, <laughs> like you're wrong. <laughs> so, like I just read the four or started, read a few chapters of the four agreements and ended up throwing it across the room. <laughs> <I hate> it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. Because uh, we aren't, we aren't built on platitudes. Eventually. Yes, exactly. Eventually, we reject the platitudes. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes, uh, if if I had to amend or contextualize mm -hmm. Pressfield a few years mm -hmm. later, I'd probably say that sometimes the work is the healing. Sometimes, yeah, you know, it's just like you don't 
you don't have a massive gaping wound and just keep on typing. You, know? yeah. you, you clean it out, you bandage it, you care for it as much as you can. And then, yeah, you let yeah. it go and you keep on going. Would probably be the only thing that I would amend. But uh, yeah. Yeah, resistance is, resistance is uh, there all the time, especially mm. for the artists. Yeah, I probably, I can relate to letting go of a lot of things because mm. one, this hit it's different rules the way we do things right standard yeah. operating procedure across the board is different so yeah. what you think you know throw it i probably say yeah totally I mean, there's probably a few things that you can keep around but you know i mean for the most part what you think you know uh doesn't really apply anymore especially yeah. uh, having to having to take like a big part of your artistic life. I auditioned for commercials. Yeah. Uh, so having to adjust that and do that in my own home. And yeah. I've heard about that with the tapes and all of that, that it's been really difficult. I guess so, you know, a lot of people do self-tapes. I read for somebody who does a lot of self-tapes for movies and uh, mm. television, so I'm their reader. So I know people are submitting and, you know, I try and help out mm -hmm. as possible but doing self-taping is is just I mean it's a whole different thing and I don't yeah. the, I don't know what the rules are so I'm just going to so I'm just going to do the best of the best that I can however going there and having that person that session director put you on tape and have them adjust your performance is a big help and it's yeah things like that creatively that I miss. But, you know, I've had a job for a long time being a performer and, yeah. you know, it's been seven years and I don't really, you know, I'm not going to get into the specifics of it, but I realized that even if that job comes back, I'm going to go nowhere in it. <laughs> so, mm, you know, I, wow. to, I have to reconsider, I have to reconsider that for the future, you know, but, wow. But, I mean, that job isn't going to probably come back until July anyway, so. Right. There is just still this just sitting and considering it. Yes. But, that's, yeah, that sounds terrifying and exciting. <laughs> like, like a lot of these things, like there's grief in it. And then also like, okay, what, what comes after this part? Well, you know, I mean, it, where I am in age, I'm a lot closer to being out of the workforce than I am being into it. Sure. So what is the what is the new switch? I mean, I love singing. I love performing. Yeah. A lot of that, you know, now it's time to recreate what that is for now. Yeah. Until people can, until we can see each other again. Totally. And I am in support of once we are sufficiently inoculated, uh, dosing the drinking water with MDMA and <laughs> all cut <laughs> <up> out. <laughs> Be like, what the F was that? I don't know. Come here. <laughs> that sounds like uh, part of the plot of Batman Begins, but so much, yeah. But like that, that's what the that scarecrow did. Juice. That was a uh, that was fear juice, but yes, you know, it would be friendlier juice. 
I would be more like, but you know, I mean, not somebody secretly dosing it. Every yeah, time. yeah, true. <laughs> Just so you know, your water's gonna have MDMA in it. Just so you know. Yeah, bear a warning. <laughs> this is fine now. If you drink it, you're gonna be a rolling, so. <laughs> Rolling, it's an old term we used to don't just I know, I know. <laughs> it's like rolling with the homies. <laughs> it's in clueless. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um what got you to the cool. Dresden? Uh what got show, me to the Dresden? How'd you show up there? So when, um when Oh and sorry, what? When and when was that? So um Back in, I believe, I want to say 2015, um, around there, I, I was taking voice lessons and I had just, like, I started taking voice lessons again after college because um, I, I sang in high school, but I, I was more of a theater kid, so I didn't really get to, like, um, cultivate my jazz voice, so that was a present that my parents gave me a few years after college was like, hey, like, we're going to pay for you to do voice lessons again, and it was really great, because that feels like that was when it was like, what do I want to sing jazz, and like, this is what works in my voice, and this is what I'm really passionate about, so I was just starting to like build up my confidence with like actually performing, um, and so my voice teacher had been like, you should like go to this open mic at the Dresden room. Like it's really friendly and I've heard good things about it. And I'd be like, yeah, maybe. And then unrelated, I had heard that, um, I'm a huge fan of that thing you do the movie. Like, um, it's <laughs> where my, uh, my Instagram handle comes from, um, which is, oh, you want good jazz. <laughs> um, but I love that. I love that movie and um, the part where Guy Patterson uh, is looking for jazz in LA. Um, he goes to the blue spot, which is the Dresden. So like unrelated, I had been like, oh, I should check out this place, which is like the blue spot. Um, and then I think, I think actually I just was like, okay, I'll finally go to this open mic. And then I think I went with Ricky the first time. Um, and and then I realized I was in the blue spot when I was there, which was really exciting. Um, and I remember I was too I was too scared to go up and ask uh, Marty and Elaine if I could sing with them. So and Ricky's afraid of nothing. So he went up um, and asked to sing. And then I was like, "Can you just like see?" He was just like, "Oh, can my friend Jazz sing like too?" And so then they called me up after him. And, and they were really nice to me and they were like, oh, you should come back. Like, um, I think like actually pretty early on, they were like, oh, if you have more tunes, you should come back on a Wednesday. Um, and I just never did. And I was, ner but also I, I could do like two songs <laughs> there. So like, um, so it used to be a thing where it was like, I would go like every once in a while and that's all it was for me um for a couple years like I would go anytime I was like feeling brave enough I think like through 2016 that's pretty much as often as I would and I would always sing dream a little dream of me and strangers in the night um and or I think that's yeah those are the two songs that I felt good about and I would always do them and then finally in oh yeah and I, I guess I that was through through 2017 that seems wrong but I think I think that's true um 
yeah, I like, I still wasn't really going very consistently. And then I went like Valentine's day, 2018. And, and I did my same thing where I like, I did the two songs and then Elaine came up to me and was like, was like, you know, like you're really good, but like, you just need like a few more tunes. So like, um, you should work on some other tunes. Like, um, and I remember Rich was still working at the Dresden then. And I was like, so she just said this to me, like, and he was like, do you think that means like, she might want, like, maybe she wants you to come in for a Wednesday show. And I was like, okay. And so then I just started coming every Tuesday and I would do a different song, uh, every Tuesday for like six months. And then I just had like a little notepad where I would like cross out what she didn't like or what I wasn't super strong in. Because as you know, it's not necessarily like, what are all the songs that I'm strong in? It's like, what am I strong in? And what do Marty and Elaine like to play? And what are we great at together? Yeah. Um, So yeah, so then I did that for a long time. And then eventually we had a show together, um, (laughs) which I think... Yeah, which I think honestly, like I should have asked her so much earlier, like <laughs> like if I could do a show, but I just like honestly that was a a very early lesson in like it's very hard for me to like ask for what I want like in like creative and like professional situations where it's like, hey, I think I'd be good at this. Let me pitch myself for this. So a lot of Dresden time was like, cause there is some element of like, yes, you have to wait for them to kind of like pick you. Yeah. But I think that that whole process would have been a lot shorter for me if I had like, if I had had the huevos to ask a little earlier, <laughs> but, but you know what, it was, it was a good learning experience. And, and I, I don't regret a single night I spent at the Dresden. Let me put it that way, especially now. Like, no, no, not at all. Uh, well, I mean, I think a lot of it is uh, reverence and humility, you know. Yeah. Even, even though I show up in the velvet, I am incredibly humbled by the experience of being there and getting to sing with them and getting to sing with all of you. And really, I didn't think that it was anything that I was going to really, really accomplish. I, too, have a ballsy friend who's got a mouth on them who <laughs> is my advocate. To... I'm pretty sure I know who that is. <laughs> yeah. Have you met him? You met my friend yeah, Scott. I, yeah, I have. He is, the, he is responsible for creating our middle-aged guy gang in the neighborhood. I the, love that. The Los Lobos de Los Files. So I was going to ask about that shirt. It looks cool. He is such a trip. He is so, he is so much fun, and he's... He's just like one of those hosts. He was like, I'm just going to be your manager and I'll get you, I'll get you up there. So, and ever since then, the experience has always just been reverence and humility, reverence and humility. Mm. Just like, uh, you know, it's, uh, and also that room is unpredictable and shit will change in a minute. Yeah. Per our first, you know, we did, a- <laughs> and then we found out that there was an extra person added to the bill. Yes, Tommaso, right? Oh yes. Okay, all right. Who who was who sang? Who was beautiful? But they hadn't heard from him in months, so we were basically filling in for him. Yeah. But he didn't forget, and he showed up. <laughs> and but even in that moment, I was like, you know, this this is the biz. This is, yeah. 
this is how the biz really works is guys you're not going to be able to do as many songs as you as you wished and yeah i had to cut like everything like thirds and i was like okay like um i was such a stress ball that night for like anyone who came to see my show like i was not present at all and like i think i feel like honestly i measure I measure my growth as a performer like in the like over the series of shows that I got to do in like how well I responded to like changes like that like like vocally yes but like so much of it is that is like okay how much can I like be present with this room and still be an, an entertainer and like and roll with the punches and sense if they're not feeling a song or like and also if Elaine's not feeling a song like too that it's like I don't want to like just push through with this because it's what I had in mind like which yeah I mean I feel like any experience like that is probably good as a person but definitely as a creative person too it's just like hey like how do how well do you deal with like this is what I thought it's gonna be <laughs> and like this is <laughs> then years like this happen do you uh do you feel like working with them over and over again that you sort of built a uh that you that you've built a a a tiny act but also that you've really mm. worked a song to the point to where it's it's your it's just mm -hmm. your style with them like they totally they will and they'll do it without even talking to one another i just like their shorthand is mm -hmm. thing of course you know i mean decades of working together will do that but but the way like happy together, you know, I just brought that in. Yeah, totally. Mel Torme did that. He did a cover of that song and I thought, you know, I, oh, I never knew that. That makes sense. I always wanted to swing to that tune. Uh, of course it ends differently. You know, he puts his own velvet fog onto it, but they were, <laughs> you know, they were pretty, they were pretty attracted to that tune and we worked on it. Like we built it, you know, yeah. we just kept on what, have you had that experience in one of your songs? I think I was trying to think of what that would be. You know, it was funny because I think the ones that I thought that would like ones that I was really excited about, it wasn't necessarily those like it would be like, but I love that. I feel like that thing that happens. Um, like, like for me, I think of like, I'll remember April uh like that with them where it was like I just threw that in because like um I found it on an old uh an old cd that my uncle Harry gave me who was probably like one an, an early like jazz influence in my life like um and I was like this is kind of a cool song like I should I should learn this one and I think I w hadn't even practiced it much before a show and then that became like I would pretty that was like if nothing else like they'll have me do this song like um like they it was just like like she'd be like relieved every time we were doing it and like and it was good like um and I do like like I think there are songs you know that like we all kind of would do like it would trade off or like a couple of us would do but those are kind of my favorites are the ones that it's like well no one else is really doing this song here and so like you get to kind of feel like that that's definitely like where I've I usually lean as a vocalist is like I start with the super obscure stuff <laughs> like and then so I'm like because I don't want anyone else to be singing it like um but she doesn't always want to play that stuff um but 
yeah, but but it was that was really fun. Now I'm, I knew this would happen. I was like, I know I'm going to get emotional talking about all of this, but yeah, but it was a special time. I asked Matt. I asked Matt this question, but mm-hmm. who do you think you sound like as far as people that you revere? You know, hmm. that in that genre. You know, I I have my own personal when I hear you saying. Oh, I'm curious. Um, I I think that it's probably. I feel. I feel weird like saying that I sound like someone, but I can say like who's like who's like stylings like that I've like like that I'll listen to and kind of like copy. Um, like Julie London is big for me. Um, what I was gonna say. Oh, I, thank you. Especially, especially call me. You know when you sing, call me. Oh, thank you. That's um, that's another one I, I like doing with them. Um, and and yeah, I think that was one of my early. Uh, one of the early moments where I really liked you was like when you got my um my when Harry met Sally nods in that song. Um uh, yeah. Phone walk. <laughs> because that's how um, I would have sung it. Like I mean, I yeah. was I was singing it in my head as you were singing it. <laughs> that's like, the best. Yeah. Um yeah, no, I think Julie London is big for me. Um I think probably who else? I think when I was younger, I really liked Zoe. Like when Zoe Deschanel was doing more jazzy stuff, I actually really did like. I liked when she was going that route. Yeah. And then I think she kind of like she puts this like affectation on her voice that like I think it's not really her. Um, so she still does some arrangements that I like here and there, but it's always that like lower register. Um, like because she honestly she has some kind of like Linda Ronstadt um moments like in some of her styling and like I wish she would have leaned that way but so I I definitely like got a lot from her at one point Julie London was big I think like I I try and steal things from uh uh from Carmen McRae even though I'm obviously never gonna be Carmen McRae um but I like a lot of yeah, I think I, I tend to gravitate, especially more and more, um, toward female vocalists who will pick like uh, really strange, like interesting melodies. Um, I think like I think that's something that changed over time with um, with just having to you know deepen my set and like and play with new songs um, and not like get bored of the same stuff. Is I think especially coming from theater. I used to be like, oh, I need a song that has all these like cutesy words or like that's like has like clever lyrical things going on so I can kind of like act it out. Like, um, and I like a little bit of that, but the more like, I wish I were in love again. I, I think I tried once or twice to do there and like, it's too verbose. Like there's too much going on like lyrically. And so like in that room, it just kind of like, it doesn't land. Um, but I started doing a lot more like, um, uh, shoot, I can't remember. Oh, uh, it's, um, there will never be another you and like songs like that, where it's actually like a very short melody. Like there's not, it like, there's not as much singing in it, but the melody is really difficult and interesting. Um, that was kind of like where I was leaning more, um, in the latter half of my Dresden time. 
um, where it's like, this is good practice for me to like really lock in this melody and then, and then they get to like go have fun, like, and like really do like interesting solos. Um, and then I can come back and do a big finish instead of like, I'm going to have all these cutesy verses, which are also like a million words to remember. And yeah. if I mess them up, it won't be so cutesy or funny. Because <laughs> well, so they don't like that. <laughs> how many songs do you think you know by heart? I mean, just take, just take a ballpark, like... How many songs can you sing from beginning to end? Any genre doesn't really matter. Oh my gosh. Like I I was trying to because I thought like during this whole time that mm -hmm. oh, during COVID, because I know that I'm only going to go out for essential things. Uh, right. <laughs> you know, Daphne herself may may or may not be uh, immuno, you know, compromised mm. during this. So gotcha. it's been no shenanigans for me during this time. Mm -hmm. This has been her and I having the best time, by the way, just baking. But, but one of the things that, because I got to go back to, I took the free Fender guitar lessons and that, that theater. Nice. Down, so, so no guitar. Oh. <laughs> and, and then I wanted to explore, oh, this would be an excellent time to learn the American songbook. I mean, Right, yeah. A hundred songs, you know, most, you know, most of the writers of them because they were mostly in musicals. So you probably, I probably know the book more than I, but I've mm -hmm. never cracked it open to want to learn. But then I started thinking, well, you know, a shit ton of songs. I mean, yeah. Outside of the genre, how many songs do you think you can sing from beginning? I I am going to say that if that's counting, like, outside of jazz, like, I'm going to say I could probably do at least 100 songs. Like, I, I, like, I, it's one of those things where it's, like, I haven't ever, like, counted it this way, but I have a really strong, like, I really do, like, once I remember something, it's in there, and, like, um, one of my favorite things in all of the weird quarantine moments we've had has been like sometimes we'll be like, hey, do you remember this song from like Veggie Tales or like Sesame Street? And then like see how many lyrics like I can remember that I'm like surprised I remember because it's like in my sense memory somewhere. So that's always fun. Um, but yeah, but I'm a pr I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good on lyrics. I like, yeah, I'm gonna say that like for sure for sure melody like easily a hundred. But I. I think it's possible lyrics too. Like I could, I could do a hundred. I'm going to say, I, so. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I would be tested in this. Like this feels like a difficult counting process, but what about you? How many do you think, do you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. I could do, I could do a hundred. I mean, just you two songs alone, you know, I mean, I, really? wow. I could sing, I could sing most of their discography. Yeah. Well, mm. I was in a U2 tribute band early on in my day. Oh, wow. Like late 90s. Uh, so I had to learn all of their songs. And, and as a fan, I didn't realize how, how many songs I really didn't know lyric-wise. So, mm. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's amazing the, you know, the way you'll make up lyrics just to get to the with or without you part. <laughs> so, Yeah, well, those so. are, and also those lyrics are more difficult like to, like that's that's poetry like that's like I I love Joni Mitchell but there's like 
I would say like, I don't know how much of Joni Mitchell's discography I could confidently add to that hundred, like a couple of them. But I think like, I actually was saying this to someone because definitely over the last year, I've gotten so into like 70s singer songwriter stuff, especially playing guitar. Like, um, but like that song, like, like Gordon Lightfoot's like, if you could read my mind, like that song is like, so it doesn't like rhyme and the like, it's very, like, it's a more interesting story because you kind of like, well, wait, what does that mean? And then like, you like stop a minute. So it's really difficult to like, um, that was one of the hardest ones to remember the words for. Um, but, but it really stays with me. Um, and a lot of Leonard Cohen is, is that way too, but I love it because of that. I don't think I had to learn. I had to learn if you could read my mind to sing it, mm. to sing it at a wedding, I think. Really? Yes. That's and an interesting choice. Somebody just loved the mel- melody. It's a beautiful song. Um, and I learned it just for singing a wedding and I could probably, you know, there was like looking at the lyrics and realizing how you were bumbling up, but <laughs> it there's that in a castle dark and a fort or a fortress strong. I yeah. knew what he was saying <laughs> after fortress until so, Oh my gosh. Helps to read, children. Helps to <laughs> It's true. Yeah, there was a bunch of Yeah, that's been a nice thing about playing guitar too, is like I yeah, like I've I've had to actually find out what um I so I just had this experience with so one of my favorite Leonard Cohen songs that like really affected me um the first time I heard it is the Stranger song. Um because the opening line of that song is uh it's true that all the men you knew are dealers who said they were through with dealing every time you gave them shelter. I know the ki- that kind of man, it's hard to hold the hand of anyone who is reaching for the sky just to surrender. And I like, I like, it just like all, I heard it like, and really landed it, like it really landed in me the first time. And I was just like, wow, like that is so like, I know exactly where that's coming from. And that's like really hitting me. But I've like, I've listened to that song a million times and then I was trying to learn how to play it recently. And I, I think I was looking at the Emmylou Harris version for chords. Um, and I thought like, oh, I don't recognize these lyrics. I wonder if she changed them like for her version. And then I looked at it and I was like, nope, these have always been uh, the lyrics the whole time. I just never registered the rest of the song. Like where there's this whole thought this whole thing where he, like there's a turning point where he's like it is you my love you who are the stranger and I was like oh my gosh this song I've been listening to that I've interpreted this one way this whole time like there was this whole other component that it's like this person that you're drawn to that's this like wandering soul like you're actually the wandering soul and that's why you're trying to find this person and I was like how did this take me two or three years to hear <laughs> uh time you have all this time on your hands that's how yeah that's how yeah <laughs> i can hear all the songs correctly now <laughs> uh that's funny i uh i recently because i was thinking uh well a couple of thoughts that i had like first first velvet tom thing that i ever really did was mm. 
build a Def Leppard mashup, so a Def Leppard medley of taking like songs and swing, oh, nice. swinging those songs and then melding them together. It went horrible. Mm. It was a terrible <laughs> British rock car crash that that amazing that went nowhere and was abandoned immediately. But but like the internet saved me in printing out lyrics and and the way lyrics were written down and memorizing lyrics that that learning songs is a hell of a lot easier. Like learning, oh, yeah. it's like once you, it's like math, I guess, you know, sometimes the mathematical lyrics just uh, points out, uh, comes out uh, because there was something that I wanted to say, oh, because I started thinking about the mash theme and oh wow think of like the horn flare of like the <laughs> tv ba, ba, da, 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 da. And I was like, <laughs> that song is a solid pop song and can swing so i started singing i like started singing suicide mm. and just realizing that this fucking song can swing i mean this can yeah. be a jazz revival tune i definitely want to work it out but yeah that's a great <laughs> idea I was reading about it. Uh, Suicide is Painless was in the movie MASH. Mm -hmm. And Robert Altman said, I want a song in it. And I want the title to be Suicide is Painless because I think that's the stupidest song for a title. He, was, he wanted yeah. to like, create an anti-song. And so mm -hmm. he gave it to, uh, gave it to uh, a musician and lyricist, Harry Mandel, mm -hmm. who... Uh, upon Robert, upon Robert Altman's request that I want you to write the stupidest song with the stupidest lyrics and it has to be called this. You can go to the Wikipedia page and read exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. Mandel didn't want to have anything to do with it. Like he was like, <laughs> well, I'm just not going to write the stupidest song with the stupidest lyrics. If I'm going to write a song, it's going to be good. And he was like, fine, I'm going to take it away from you. <laughs> And he, and he gave it to us, and Robert Altman gave the mission to his 14-year-old son, <laughs> which I think is named Michael Altman, and his son banged it out in an afternoon, and he wrote the lyrics. Amazing. And that is how, that's how that song came about, but without, like, poking my nose around and looking at <laughs> the lyrics and trying to find yeah. And you really read the lyrics. And I was like, this is some high-minded shit for a 14-year-old kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the late 60s, early 70s. That's like, um, I don't know, if, were you a Lost fan? Yeah. yeah. Um, apparently, that's uh, like the song that like the Drive Shaft song that's like the hit, like You All, Everybody. Like the lyrics to that song, like it's just, um, they all based it on I think it was like some woman in a like in a Dr. Phil audience thing who was just like freaking out and she was like you all everybody talking about your stupid people wearing expensive clothes like it was just like some like and so the lyrics to you all everybody are like you all everybody like talking about your stupid people wearing expensive clothes you all everybody like <laughs> <laughs> but i love shit like that yeah <laughs> love you yeah you you think you're creating garbage yeah <laughs> you're creating a brilliant sort of a 
brilliant Rosetta Stone for someone. Yes. I also, this isn't like, as far as I know, this is not intentionally that, but one of the like sets of lyrics that I'm most obsessed with is like uh, the last verse of You're So Vain by Carly Simon. Because yeah. I swear to God, it sounds like she's like staring at a newspaper and like making it up because it goes, well, I hear you went up to Saratoga where your horse naturally won. Well, you flew your Learjet up to Nova Scotia to see the total eclipse of the sun. Well, you're where you should be all the time. And when you're not, you're with some underworld spy or the wife of a close friend, wife of a close friend, and you're so vain. But it's like, what is that? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> this doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the song. It's like, none, it doesn't fit like on the meter at all. Like, and like the fact that you'd end a phrase with like, and when you're not, you're with. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just. And it is but, clowns, yeah. clowns in my coffee. Clowns. <laughs> no, it's clouds. It is clouds. <laughs> yeah, it's clouds um, because, and it was funny because I guess like the story around that, because I asked my mom about that and she was like, you know, it's because when you add like creamer to your coffee, it like builds up this cloud and then it goes away. So her dreams like are going away. And I was like, oh, I love that. Like, that's, that's nice. But then I heard this story that I guess it isn't that at all. And she just like was on an airplane and she like came back to like see her coffee was on the tray and like there was smoke coming out of it and the clouds were behind it. So I was like, my mom's explanation was better, but I guess it's not the truth. Uh, I, I think that there is, I mean, it's funny that you mentioned the whole reading the newspaper while that, because I yeah. swear <laughs> to God, there's like a couple of examples of Beatles songs that I remember hearing like mm. that. So bored of their own lyrics that they just started reading <laughs> the newspaper and they recorded it. Um, but I don't know, but I don't know what that is exactly. Interesting. I mean, it sounds like, it, it sounds like, uh, you know, day in the life you know it sounds like i read yeah. today oh boy oh let's see yeah. <laughs> we did that but, once with yeah. mine we were doing sort of like a lounge couple and we called ourselves the cartoonians and oh fun and we decided we were doing some but we were like doing this massive mashup of song and i read the news today oh boy and they're just happened <laughs> Happened to be in a situation where there was a newsstand behind us, so I just grabbed whatever was there. <laughs> it's like U.S. Congress votes to go on war, something like that, you know. But, <laughs> I remember that reminds me. I like there always used to be like weird magazines in the back of the Dresden, like in the office, like where we used to hang out. Um, and I remember one time Morgan picked up some like local magazine and the, the headline was there's a col there's a colorful muralist about town <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and it's one of my favorite headlines of all time it's like i want to know everything about that colorful muralist <laughs> what is he doing about town and where is he doing it <laughs> yeah where's he doing it where can i see is that like the los feliz ledger shout out to the yeah los exactly yeah I enjoy Love your headlines. 
it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird and comfortable. I mean, they probably haven't been printing anything. I don't recall seeing a new, a new issue during COVID. But yeah, live. It's nice to live in a neighborhood that has its own little paper. <laughs> like, yeah, about what's going on. I mean, it makes it. It makes this neighborhood feel like, like a small town or a neighborhood. Yeah, it's funny because I, like. I think I, when I moved to Monrovia, I was so like, I don't want to live outside of LA. And so like, it took me a really long time to actually go to my own grocery stores instead of just like driving back to Burbank to buy things there. Like, cause I lived there. I lived in Burbank for like 25 years before I moved out to Monrovia. Um, but so I just sort of like, didn't want to, I didn't want to become a person that like, where Pasadena was their entire world and they like and I just like didn't connect with any of these things that had been important to me in LA but I just ended up driving farther to everything but I will say that in the pandemic I've been a little bit more like yeah it's not great that like I don't know like really any of my neighbors like I know that's a very common like LA thing but it feels like okay like we're going through some wildfires together like we're in a pandemic together like these are the people who actually live like closest to me. So if something happens, like, um, and a friend of mine actually down in San Diego, um, told me, uh, about this, like buy nothing group. Have you heard about this? Yes, I have. Yeah. So I just started, it's like, for those who don't know, it's this, uh, this community group where it's what it sounds like, where it's like, if people have things to give away that they're not using, um, then you can just say like, Hey, I'm interested and pick it up. Um, or you can ask for things that you need. And then they have like, you can do like a gratitude post for things you've been able to use well. And I haven't been a part of one for very long, but I will say that like, it's even a few weeks of, uh, being a part of that. It's kind of given me that feeling again, that it's like, this is really lovely that people can, like, I even had a thing where I've been doing a farm, like CSA box um, from a local place in Pasadena. And I always do three like surprise me options a week where it's like, just so I like can try new vegetables, but sometimes I don't like how they've surprised me. <laughs> um, like they surprised me with a lot of eggplant and like random peppers last week. And so I was like, great, now I'm part of this group and I don't have to let this go to waste. So I just like took a picture of it and like put it on the porch. And there was even someone on the group who was like the person who claimed it, someone else who was like, who knew them or was like a friend of theirs, like, Hey, I can like pick this up for you. Like you're busy at work. Like, um, I'll just like help you out. And I was like, see this part, like, I know there are a lot of drawbacks to social media, but in reality, like, there's so many little things like that that like help us stay connected in a time when we're pretty much only seeing each other virtually, like mostly. I think like other things, the internet has balance. It has balance yeah. of very great things. It just depends on what the magnifying glass is over right now, you know. Mm. So, uh, but I always try and look for the good things. I don't really like Facebook is someplace that I go and see what other people are talking about, but it's not yeah. what I really post to occasionally mm -hmm. like I'll still do Mad Libs you know I tried to mm. tried to bring you yeah Mad Libs so I'll do that you know I mean I'll do yeah. where it's where it's fun or I'll just ask a question try and pe get people's feedback but I yeah mean, I think the I think live function it works really well <laughs> <laughs> sorry what 
I think that's all I want from anybody anymore. You know, I have my own political <laughs> opinions. I don't need yours either. So, you know, I mean, it's true. Try not to, but, um, well, this has been a lovely conversation, you know, yeah. hour has gone by so, <laughs> so effortlessly. Like I thought, is there anything you want to end on? Is there anything that you want to shout at me about and tell <laughs> everybody how they can see you? Um, well, uh, well, I do want to say thank you so much for having me. And, um, I really, I've only listened to a few so far, but I love the podcast. And I did have to say that the first one that I listened to was Patrick's. Um, and that like within like five minutes, you were both being incredibly nice to me, like, um, which is like, one of just an experience I haven't had on a podcast yet, where it's just like, oh, my dear friends are just saying wonderful things about me and this is like life is beautiful so thank you for giving that to me and also I like the podcast in general um when you're talking about things other than me um but uh yeah you've had two shout outs so so you need oh yeah yes it's true Patty and I shout Uh, to you last time too yeah I know I need I haven't listened to Matt's yet but I'm going to um obviously um but uh yeah, but I, I, so I'm really grateful to be on, um, and I guess I, I don't have, <laughs> I was like, do I have things to plug? And I was like, not yet, but I have a lot of things that I will, that will be coming down the pike soon. Um, the book will be a little ways away, but I, I do think I'll, I will have, um, my first EP coming out, um, pretty soon. Um, I would say probably early, early next year. Um, I recorded that in the, the olden times, like last January. Oh, really? Um, Okay. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So there's some great, uh, one of the videos is done. Um, but there's two other songs, um, that are still being put together. And I think, I think it's going to be great. And then I'm also, uh, I'm in the process of writing my own songs for the first time, um, which is exciting. So, um, I think there will be something in that vein fairly soon too. Um, so yeah, so all that to say, uh, you can stay tuned on my, uh, Instagram. Um, I'm, oh, you want good jazz. Um, and I think, oh, you want good jazz is mostly writing stuff. And then I do whatever musical things I'm doing is usually on jazz baby 1017. So I'll send you, I mean, you have my handles, but, um, yeah, but most of my like writing branded things it's all like my website is oh you want good jazz as well so yeah but I think that's all I have except to say that it's been absolutely lovely um and I so appreciate you having me on thank you very much for being a part of this Uh, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the podcast without you so next up is Dave I'm gonna try and get old Dave oh my gosh I'm covering I'm so excited I'm going to try and cut as much of Singer's Row as I can. That's such a, like, I, I feel like I'm so selfishly, like, benefiting from that, too, because I miss everyone so much that just, like, it's a weird thing that you can get to listen to, your, to two of your friends talk on a podcast, but I love it. <laughs> well, I loved having you. Thank you very much. I appreciate you so much. Right back at you. Thank you, Tom. I told you. I told you it was going to be a good episode, and I was not wrong. We delivered. It was a great episode. 
Thank you again, Jazz, for being my guest today. What a great conversation we had. We didn't solve the world's problems, but I think that we sent the right message, at least. I think we put a good message out there. I, I tell you what, humbled by you, humbled by all of my guests that come and do this show. Folks, if this is the first episode you're listening to, there's 14 other episodes that you can dig into right now, and you can go to my website on the podcast page, and you can listen to it from your favorite platform. You don't even have to listen to the full episode on the website, but thank you to the people of SoundCloud for uh, delivering that. Um, thank you for being my support and to be able to launch this on different platforms. So. Give us a listen and make a donation to the show so we can do more stuff like this because this is a lot of fun. I'm finding a velvet groove with this. So I'm in the slipstream. So you don't want this to stop because we get great guests. People have given me opportunities in this town and I want to make sure that they're recognized for giving me set opportunities. I'm giving back. This is this is the artist's way. <laughs> right? Right. All right, folks. Try and have a good holiday. Help those who are disenfranchised during this holiday. But most importantly, stay velvet.